We had quite a few comments on that, actually. Like, I tuned in, the first thing we heard was a penis. Can you run a like, competition for DCS players? Who draws the best penis in the sky in DCS? Which... Ooh, can we do that? I, yeah, we leave can you do can it... I think you need to have like two people do it, because like, the contrails won't last. Unless somebody can edit the yeah. Lua files that would make the contrails last. Oh, yeah. How about how about some of those um, those team you know the the real virtual uh, Thunderbirds? Could the real virtual Thunderbirds maybe do a, a sky penis event? The first annual Air Combat Sim Sky Penis <laughs> event mm-hmm. brought to you by <laughs> the Air Sim. <Simcom. laughs> that would be pretty good. Thrust Master <laughs> Eagle Dynamics presents <laughs> in association with the Geico Sky Typers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never gets old alright uh, anyway I guess we'll roll into it so we can move on and do other things Eastern group now turning cold Angels 12 Bogey Dope Western group 285 three blocks. okay I go well south of the line 14 miles Red Knight Slasher 0-2 copies clear to engage clear the kill clear the kill he's a bandit and Hey everybody, welcome to the Air Combat Sim Podcast. This is Casmo, and I'm going to apologize early. This episode is kind of screwed up. So we recorded a few days ago, and unfortunately the uh, audio files didn't copy correctly or something i don't know we only got half of them from the service that we record on and yeah we're all kind of bummed about it because we thought it was a pretty good episode and uh, fun but uh, it's thanksgiving day i'm sitting in a hotel room i was gonna edit and uh, get it published uh, and unfortunately obviously i can't do that but what i can do is present to you a couple of the interviews that we ran now the first one we'll run is a short interview that i conducted with Merrick and Alec, who are running a Kickstarter that I really encourage you guys to check out uh, here. It's running for the next couple weeks, and it's for a system they call Unbound. And essentially, these are some plates that you can install on your armrest of your office chair. Now, depending on the type of office chair you have, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the interview, uh, but it allows you to place your throttle or other controls uh, on a standard desk chair. Uh, so, yeah, I would encourage you to take a look at them and have a listen to this interview. All right, well, you guys just, you know, go ahead and introduce yourselves and, uh, and your company and what you got going on. Uh, hi, uh, my name is uh, Merrick. I'm uh, currently in the Navy. Uh, long story short, uh, born in Poland, emigrated to U.S., joined the Navy when I was 17. Always wanted to fly. Started as an aircraft mechanic, but I wanted to drive the bus. So I became a pilot and uh, I carried that with me into this product, which is uh, kind of labor of love. And... Uh, well, that's short story about me. I am the production manager for the company. So we found Modic. My well, actually, Modic reached out to us. He has a uh, a pending or a patent application in a provisional patent, and reached out to my father, who is a patent attorney. Hmm. And we created a bond that way. He was looking for someone to help him get a full patent, and we we love the product. We were super about it. I come from a military family. My brother's a pilot. Uh, and we were like, absolutely, this is the greatest thing ever. 
but we'd love to do more than just get involved on a patent basis. We want to get involved on a whole business basis. This sounds like something we absolutely want to be a part of. Um, so that was how the whole thing started. And then my best friend, who's lifelong gamer, uh, joined the group. He is a digital marketer. We've launched other products together. We've done uh, overseas importing together. And he has a lot of experience in this area. So he's one helping us with all the Kickstarters and the websites and the advertising and all that complicated digital stuff. Okay, so tell us about the product. I mean, what is what is your company's name? What is the, the product's name and, and what does it do? So we're, we're Techicity and our, our product is the Unbound System. So what it is, it's a receiver that mounts under the armrest of your chair. This is your standard desk chair. Um, we found that the majority of desk chairs actually have the same armrest. So with that, we mount this receiver under your armrest. And then we've made all kinds of add-ons and systems that you plug into those uh, to then enable you to have a, a flight sim, a driving sim, a gaming desk, uh, a whole-blown workstation if you want. And then on top of our add-ons, we've also added a spot to mount accessories. So you can add things like cup holders, a storage bag, something to hold your VR nunchucks so they're always within reach. Um, but the goal was basically to bring the sim feeling to your average desk chair at a very affordable cost. So part of it, why I did it, uh, the invention the way I did, it's, you know, ergonomics. Uh, as a pilot, you, you know, 100%, I'm sure that you know that adjusting seat and armrest is crucial in having the repeat performance during the flight. So uh, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to attach something to the armrest. So it's always in the same position and I can get used to it. Uh, plus, it is literally at the end of the armrest. So you are flying with the wrist, making small adjustment using the small muscles of the wrist versus if it's on the desk, you're using, you know, the, your whole arm, big muscles, imprecise inputs. So that was one of the reasons that I really, really concentrated on the armrest. So essentially, you, you what take apart the, the, the armrest, attach this connector, and then the other components that hold stuff then slide into that connector. Is that how essentially it works? Correct. And it uses the existing screws of the armrests, uh, which is very interesting. But all the armrests of this type have a four inch or 10 centimeters uh, spacing for the holes. So it is truly universal for those uh, type of armrests. Okay. And then, and I know we'll talk about the Kickstarter, but uh, just looking through it, I mean, and you kind of touched on it, there's a whole bunch of accessories that you can do with it. But, you know, I, I saw one that had like the whole whole front of you it was like it was like being in a, a baby seat in a booster chair you know you had a, a giant thing where you could put like i guess a yoke or whatever but then you had the also uh on each side where you could have a joystick on each side or a throttle or something like that uh i mean what else what other kind of options are there so there's uh mini desks on the side that are small gaming platforms so that works great with a half keyboard a mouse um, and, and so that was something that we didn't know we wanted at first. We were looking for this big desk. We were looking for the joysticks. Um, and then the, also we always wanted the driving sim aspect of it. So the driving sim is actually compatible with the yoke. Also, it just so happened that those have very similar placements, um, for the ergonomic. And then the little desks was something that we came up afterwards where we had the big desk and realized that if you're someone like me, I, I like my shooters. I like my MOBAs, uh, big league of legends guy. So with that, I only need the uh, the half keyboard and then a mouse. So I ended up picking those up and having them directly in front of your arms. It's incredibly comfortable. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can unlimited amount. You can park in front of a TV. You don't need a full setup if you don't have one or if your wife won't let you have one. 
That's the other thing. It's a much less <laughs> commit simulator than a lot of uh, other things out there. Yeah. And yeah. the other part was also for uh, I'm a VR flyer. So having, again, uh, the, the joystick and throttle at, in the fixed position, you always know where it's at. But also having the non-check uh, holders, it's great because you don't have to kind of, you know, blindly try to put them on the table while you're switching to your joystick. They are right there. So uh, VR, it's amazing with this setup. So I, what about weight? So a lot of these, you know, I have a Verpal Mongoose throttle. This thing is a thousand pounds. What kind of issues are, are, are there any issues with those heavier pieces of equipment? Because in this flight, you know, sim community, there's a lot of pieces of equipment that are pretty heavy. I, I just feel like it, it hanging kind of off the end of your chair. I mean, is there any issues with that? The system is, is very, very strong. It is not going to be the limiting factor. Um, it's based with, we, we don't use the aluminum construction that you'll see in some of the other ones. We actually went with steel because we have a much smaller out so that weight doesn't hurt us. And it allows us to use thinner plates. It's much stiffer for, for the size. Um, steel is actually three times stiffer than aluminum. So where we end up using smaller plates, get the same rigidity out of it, which I know has been a question that a lot of people have had is like, oh, that plate looks too skinny. Trust me. It's A36 steel. It is solid as a rock and very, very, very heavy. Um, the armrest actually, it would surprise you. They can hold a ton of weight. I mean, even when I put, I can put the, uh, the desk or the yoke desk on, on my chair and I use a crappy GTR racing chair. It's like $130. Hmm. Um, you can put a 45 pound plate on it, leave it for days. It's not going to have a single problem. Those, because those, uh, arms actually have just a metal structure underneath of it. And then they have some decorative plastic on the outside but they really are either aluminum or steel, depending on what chair you have. So they hold a ton of weight. Um, I know we've also had questions about wobble with armrests and mm. it's very interesting, but when you put weight in front of the armrest, it actually reduces the wobble of the armrest. Cause people call oh, my armrest shake. Trust me. You put, you know, like you said, the, uh, the Verpool, the VKB, you get a mongoose out there and suddenly it doesn't shake anymore Yeah, because that's another reason why I went with the steel plate because it's heavier and you're like, oh, I wouldn't think you'd want more weight. You actually do. It causes it to stabilize quite a bit. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here as you're talking. I'm just kind of holding my hand down hard on my uh, on my chair armrest. And yeah, I mean, it's you're, you're holding it in place and you're, you're just essentially holding it in place with a, a steel plate. So and then the manner in which it connects to it. Uh, yeah, it's not going to it's not going to wobble. So and we were talking before we started recording uh, it's built right now with the idea of a standard office chair where the, uh, I guess what, like probably two screws underneath the, uh, armrest. Is that kind of the, the standard? Um, okay. And then you guys were talking about, cause like my chair unfortunately doesn't have that cause I'd love to have this product, but, uh, you have some ideas in the future of some different designs to cover different types of chairs. So yeah. yes. And those are actually, you know, uh, covering the patent also. Um, but uh, what we are doing right now, it's, uh, you know, we are looking at bringing something to the market. And unfortunately for us, we are a right now small uh, veteran-owned business. So we have to come out in tears. We, we can't just, you know, have yeah. everything for everyone at once because we are not a multi-million dollar company yet. But, uh, <laughs> you know... We are. We want to move in that directions, but we do have a rapid prototyping and rapid production capabilities, which will allow us within every few months to add a new model, new accessories, uh, or some kind of uh, new device. Uh, just to mention a few, 
we have already prototypes of uh, USB hubs that can be, you know, attached to this uh, very uh, device uh, with a uh, magnetic uh, connector to the computer. So it's basically like old Macs at the Mac connectors, so it's safe. Uh, we also are working on the Rumble Pack. Uh, you know, so, so we are really branching out and we are looking in all directions, but we also wanted to go with our core design. So like Alec mentioned, you know, the next step would be uh, whole armrests for the people that don't have chairs with the solid armrests. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the next step would be a chair. So that is in the plans and that will be coming uh, out, you know, in future, in the future. But uh, at this time, we are concentrating on the Kickstarter and, uh, you know, this uh, this design. So tell us a little bit about your Kickstarter. Uh, it just started as the time of, of us recording this. It's the 16th of November, but it just started, I think, a few days ago. How long is it running? And, and tell us a little bit about what uh, you can get if uh, people get behind this product. Running for 30 days. It um, we, we are 30% funded already. We're very, very happy about that. Um, we are offering on there the flight sim package, the yoke and drive or steering wheel package, the desk package, and then the mini desks, which are those side uh, armrest desks. And then also, once you get into it, we're also offering all of our accessories that we have right now. There's nine different accessories. And then um, one other question we've had on there is the center mount joystick is also on there as an add-on for the flight system. So some people have said, oh, I have to buy the package for for that you you don't have to buy that elite gaming package you just have to buy one of the flight sims and then add it on there because they work together uh, so and everything is discounted it's uh 40 off about 22 percent off for the retail for all that stuff right now uh, for everyone who gets in early okay great well yeah we should uh definitely get this episode out in time for people to to take a look at that kickstarter and we'll and we'll share it also on the website, uh, the Facebook uh, before before this gets out, so people can get the word out. Because, like I said, I I mean, I honestly, when I saw it, I was like, this because I've been struggling. I, I have this verbal, but it's in this weird spot, and I don't like it. But I can't really do anything else with it. And I've tried to think like, well, how could I do essentially what you guys have created? Uh, but I don't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> and then uh, when when uh, Merrick shared it on Facebook, I saw it and I immediately got behind that. And uh, I think it looks good, and I think it gets great ideas and. Yeah, once you figure out how to put it on my type of chair, I'll be more than willing to test it for you. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it looks great, and uh, I encourage people to to definitely check it out. So I want to thank you guys for taking the time today and uh, and sharing that that uh, that with us. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. Thanks, man. I appreciate. It. All right. Well, again, that Kickstarter is running uh, through the early part of December, and we'll put a link in the show notes for this episode so you guys can check that out. So for our second interview, Tricker and Baltic Dragon had a chance to sit down with Ron from Razbam and talk about the upcoming F-15 Strike Eagle, which I'm really looking forward to. I know a lot of you guys are as well, and I think you'll enjoy this interview. All right, welcome everybody to a special interview here with Ron from Razbam. We're going to be talking about the F-15E Strike Eagle. So welcome. Welcome, Ron. It's good to have you back on the show. Thank you guys for inviting me over. And we have our special... Mr. Host here, Baltic Dragon. So thank you for joining us, Baltic Dragon. Hey guys, good to be back. So what can you tell us, uh, Ron, that's the latest and greatest with the F-15 Strike Eagle? Like what's what's groundbreaking on the F-15 that you want to tell the folks? Okay, uh, I don't know, some of you 
are following us through our Discord channel, which where is we actually post a lot of new info about it and my Twitter. Uh, but what I can say that uh, I am glad to say that we have reached a milestone in development of the aircraft, which uh, puts us in a position that we can be pretty certain that it's going to the user's hands in a really, really, really uh, close term. I cannot uh, say exactly when because you know how it is in this in this uh, business. We have to keep some things uh, under wraps until it's really ready to, to be out there. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm confident on what we have. Uh, I'm really happy to see where we are right now with this aircraft, uh, which is has been a really, really uh, complicated and very uh, complex aircraft to develop. Uh, I think probably, I'm probably right saying now that it's probably the most complex aircraft to DCS yet. And that uh, all the people involved in this development have been so devoted into creating what we have done now. I'm pretty sure also it's going to be something that has not been seen yet in DCS realm as a as a studio level aircraft. Uh, we have uh, an amazing radar technology created by one of our amazing developers. It's solely working on radar. And the information we have with the SMEs, uh, the absolutely amazing CD work made by Tim Taylor, who is known as metal to mesh out there. And all the other guys involved allows me to say that this is going to be really a really good product out there and we are not uh, rushing things we are just waiting for things to be in a position that we can say it's ready to be out there for the public so of course it's going to be an early access like everything else in dcs but uh it's not going to be a broken early access it's going to be good to basically uh, uh something that we can say it's ready for you guys to enjoy. That's why it's taken so long for us to release it. We have reached many milestones in the development. Uh, for instance, uh, like I said a few minutes ago, radar, radar technology, air-to-ground radar, uh, air-to-air radar, that while right now are not perfect, uh, they are ready to be used uh, for, the, for the community. It's a it's a it's a huge uh, learning curve for anything in this world, including the, the, the radar. It's a lot of interpretation you got you got to understand, and a lot of stuff you got to read. But uh, the way it's gonna be released is gonna be uh, in a way that you can actually expect to have fun to call it some way using this aircraft, and not and not uh, having to be. Uh, waiting for some fix for what, it, what for whatever is going to be out there from day one. So that's our goal. That's been our, our position inside the development team. That anything that comes out, whenever it comes out, going to be ready for the public and not broken. Of course, being an early access aircraft, new things are going to be added from time to time, as we have done with, Earth, of, with all our products. I mean, we still sustain the Mirage 2000 which is considered an old product now when we have moved into what it is right now. 
We keep uh, supporting the ABAB Harrier too. We keep supporting the MiG-19P. And of course, and we the our latest release, which is the Falcons map or Malvinas for the South American guys doesn't feel offended. Uh, we keep, uh, uh, it was out as early access and we keep improving it. And we're gonna keep improving it because as you know, DCS is always improving itself. So uh, regarding to 15 Israel, like I said, uh, the community and the users can be pretty certain that whatever they get in early access is gonna be the first step. We're not going back. It's gonna be ready to be used and we're gonna keep adding uh, features. Uh, we're gonna keep enhancing stuff and, and moving from there on. It's a really complex aircraft. Development, the, the development of this aircraft has been so complex. Uh, we took no, uh, we didn't take any shortcut. We actually did things that they have to be done just to give the, the community a really good product. Uh, my question, I wanted to ask, uh, since we have, it's a flaming list three still, but F-15C. So I understand nothing from that was kind of taken or salvaged. You did everything from scratch, right? Yes, but we have a lot of help from Eagle Dynamics. They have been, like everything else we have done before, been really helpful. And whenever we need some information regarding some stuff from the F-15C and the E, they have been shared with us so we can get the best uh, create the best mixture of both. They're not, they're, well, they are, look the same, they don't fly the same. So mm. uh, uh, we, we, we change little things that need to be added, like drag, uh, weight, etc. But yes, uh, we have been a lot of help with Eagle Dynamics into the development. When speaking about the level of detail, uh, as you know, I have kind of early access, so I'm helping develop the manual, as always, training missions, etc. I've been talking to Tim, who showed me in the model viewer the inside of the landing gear bay. And this is something that nobody will ever look at, ever, flying the aircraft, unless you exactly. do it from the outside. But everything in there, up to the, like, the smallest kind of cable, is in, and it's also kind of um, animated. It's just amazing, if you look at that. And that's something that you cannot even see normally. Yes, well, is, is there a new... A new um development uh, stand we decided that uh, and it's going to happen to uh, older models like the the ABAB Harrier is going to be uh, up, upgraded TDYs wise uh, because uh, eventually I'm quite confident of this eventually DCS is going to evolve into a level that we, that the user will actually enjoy watching his 3D model that has just purchased so right now everybody goes into the cockpit and few people actually go out and watch the aircraft. Uh, I'm gonna tell something here. As you may know or not, I come from the FSX uh, community. Uh, I, I developed for Microsoft Flight Simulator probably 12 years of my career. I started with FS8 and then moved to FSX. The difference between the community, both communities, besides loving uh, flying aircraft, and besides the obvious, DCS is a combat simulator, is that in FSX you have more time to enjoy the view. Like, actually it comes out, put the outside view, and watch the aircraft view per se. And actually that that is a part of what's considered a paper aircraft worth or not. How, how good it looks. Exactly. DCS is a completely different beast. 
I mean, uh, you really don't have that much time to go and watch outside because you have to be really busy in the cockpit. So cockpits have to be accurate, as much as accurate as you can possibly do or legally do it, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And you take some shortcuts with the exterior model. So that's how we started into DCS. But then uh, DCS evolved. It's more, uh, it have a better uh, graphics graphics uh, engine. It's going to keep evolving with a better graphics engine and give us a more ample room for us to play with. So uh, our first model that was retrofitted was the Mirage 2000, uh, which was completely redone mm-hmm. to what it is right now. Uh, the, the next game, the ABB Harrier, that was, it was better model than the Mirage 2000, yeah. but now it needs to be retrofitted because it needs to be it needs to be on top from current uh, uh, the engine Standard. graphics. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the Mirage in the MiG-19, it was done and created in a time where we knew what what's coming, so it's more accurate than than the Mirage or the it came out more accurate than the Mirage or the Harrier. So having all these three products done, and a lot of other models we have that are not public, or you haven't seen sometimes, I put something out there that we are developing. Uh, we have a secret helicopter we're developing. We actually have three helicopters in development, um, two other jets. Uh, and here comes the 15 e Strike Eagle. We have the original model that was developed for uh, the 2012 DCS. That's 10 years now. Then we couldn't put it out, uh, complete it, because uh, being the Star Eagle uh, interdictor and using air to ground radar, DCS have not, back then, was not ready for such an aircraft. That's why you didn't have air to ground radar back then. I mean, you didn't mm-hmm. have uh, a way to implement an aircraft like the F-15 Star Eagle without this air to ground radar. So it was put in the back burner. We created all the other stuff. And then came uh, current, current days, and we have to, you know, the 3D is no longer viable. We have to redo everything. So it was we had a meeting with Tim, and we said, okay, for now on, this is our current standard. We gotta create everything absolutely as close as possible to a real one. No shortcuts got to be done. We have to um, the animations have to go through exactly like the real thing works. Uh, I ha- I know fellow modelers, and if they are listening to this, they actually will uh, completely agree with me. We we used to have some shortcuts and animation and stuff because. Uh, when you are dealing with 3D meshes, mm. you have more room for playing than where you're creating the actual thing, right? So we have no shortcuts, and 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 Ting understood it, understood this, and he's an amazing modeler, so he went into it and just did what 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 Baltic Dragon just demonstrated, and really good work, 3D work, uh, accurate and works as it should, yeah. and it really shows. Probably you won't see it. Now, probably you won't see it, but who knows? In the future, I'm quite sure uh, you're going to be able to come out on a plane and look at it and do like some kind of a pre-flight. But wait a minute. I'm not saying that Eagle Dynamics is going to do that. I'm just saying probably yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going to happen. Something that's happening. Look forward to. Yeah, it's happening right now in flight simulator. So why is it not going to happen in DCS? So no, I agree. And Thanks. you should see the MiG-23 when it comes out. It's actually the same thing. And that's a very complicated landing year. Yeah, I was going to ask that at, at another time because I'm really interested in the MiG-23. <laughs> um, so you said this is the most complex aircraft 
that you've ever built or is that in DCS at the present time? At DCS at present time, yes. I know more complex so, aircraft are coming and, and I'm not saying ours is the best. I'm just saying ours is quite complex aircraft and I have not seen right. a complex aircraft yet in DCS. So what would, like off the top of your head, would you say it's the radar capabilities that are the most complex? Can you give us like an example of some complexity? I think that the most complex part, besides developing it, because that's extremely complex, it's uh, data interpretation, okay. how you interpret whatever the systems are giving to you. Uh, I think it's, well, I think it's a pilot-friendly aircraft, but a heavy load work for the WISO. Okay. And, and so you, because you got so many information, so many meanings of having information, you have the teapot, you have yeah. the radar, and you have a train following radar, and you have the vast number of weaponry you can put it under its belly and under wings that, that you really get overwhelmed for where you can do with the circuit. It's amazing. I mean, it's something uh, I had not seen yet. And, and, and true, true to be honest, uh, I don't fly it that much because it became from being fun mm -hmm. to became something like work. So <laughs> you have to just start thinking, you have to do a lot of pre-fly, a lot of stuff. And, 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 and the state right now, it is right now, you have to make so much preparation before you take off and, and, and go and, and blast something over there. That, that it's really take out the phone out of it but that's my point of view i mean a lot of people will actually find it as fun as you can find a plane but um uh you need to do a lot of stuff to fly this aircraft i mean uh, read a lot of stuff read the manual and get ready for it because it's, it's a lot of stuff you gotta do right so you were talking about all the data implementation do you ever see yourselves putting a data cartridge into yeah, 15 strike. Well, I don't know. Eventually, or we we did show a video of it. Uh, okay, I must have not seen because I've seen a lot of your stuff on Twitter. Twitter uh, team posted a video of of his data cartridge okay. getting into the cockpit. Um, I don't know if you're aware that we have a data cartridge in the Mirage 2000, so it's going to work yeah. similar to it. Okay. But with different with different uh, capacities because this is different aircraft. But the concept is the same. Okay. Well, just mean make sure we attach that video to the podcast so people can see that in action. Because I'm sure everybody's it's in my excited Twitter. to see that. But you said there was a lot of workload for the uh, weapon system officer. Uh, so mm -hmm. yes, uh, is it gonna be like multiplayer, multi-crew capable from the start or? Yeah, from day one, you're going to be able to have a guy sitting behind you, whistle, a virtual whistle, somebody flying somewhere else in multiplayer. Yes, that's uh, from day one. It's got to be there. It's going to be there. And eventually, uh, we're going to implement an AI. The thing is that uh, the AI that needs to be implemented cannot work in the same fashion as current AIs in other products. Uh, we're going to look, we're looking for doing something. Uh, not more user friendly, but more capable because of the amount of workload they're gonna have. So uh, you know the WISO's job is to make the pilot's life easier. So uh, because you can do anything from the front seat, 
to be honest, uh, probably you will need a, a whistle, but you you will be heavy. You have a lot of work in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that a whistle does, you can do as well. But uh, uh, being the capacity and whatever you can do with this aircraft, you're really gonna need second second pair of hands and another brain to help you cope with all the information you're gonna do, and you can uh, complete the mission better. So. Originally, we didn't want to put, and this was uh, my prerogative. If I actually say that, I didn't want to include an, an AI because uh, the way I see them, and like I said, it's personal. It's not it's got nothing to do with with the game or anything. It's my personal opinion. Uh, I see them kind of arcadeish. It really, from my point of view, it really takes out of the reality of flying the plane. Okay. Because I consider this an actual simulator, and and, and to be honest, uh, we are also in the professional market, so we know how it, how we move over there. But at the at the end of the day, uh, DCS is a game. Sorry, guys, it's a game. So people get this to fight, to have fun, uh, some way or the other, or to feel uh, like they are a, a real pilot for one day or for one hour, or whatever. That's why they spend money buying these things. So yeah, uh, you don't have time to to uh, connect with your buddy of yours in the internet. Probably you don't have internet. So uh, yeah, it's needed, uh, and it's up to anybody to use it or not. Uh, I wouldn't use it. I don't like it, but it's got to be implemented because if people want it, and it's gonna and it's gonna do a better product. So yes, eventually we're gonna put one. Uh, it's something we have to uh, implement the way we want it. And it's gonna happen after release. It's not gonna come out in release. Not coming out with an AI. Right. It's gonna be full multiplayer compatible. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna be able to have a virtual whistle in your backseat. I'm excited for that. And because uh, I've seen a lot of your videos on Twitter, and uh, the Mirage radar is absolutely amazing. So whoever did the Mirage radar did an outstanding job. So I'm looking forward to the Strike Eagles uh, radar. Word, same guy, the same, same guy, guy so. is doing it. So yeah, he, it's, and he he's did an doing amazing, job. amazing work. Yeah, it's an amazing job. I mean, it's, it's something completely different. I think, the honestly, thing is going to be a standpoint from this in this years from whenever this radar comes out to the future. I mean, it's a standpoint. It's gonna things are going to change. I think. I'm not sure. I don't. I cannot speak for the other development teams or for Eagle Dynamics, but from us. This is our new normal. That's that's amazing. Um, so, Casmo had a couple questions here, and uh, I think we can wrap things up there because I think he gave us a lot of great information. Uh, so, Casmo asked here. He says, "What do you hope this module will add to DCS, and what type of scenarios and environments do you see people operating this aircraft in?" Well, I really don't know. Uh, uh, I would like to understand the DCS demographics of what they're using because sometimes I hear and I read a lot of people use multiplayer mm-hmm. and but I also know that many 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 customers just like to fly by themselves they don't go into into any internet connection or whatever but given the uh, service history of this aircraft which is actually pretty much in service right now uh, I, I see people, you know, expanding this. I mean, like, you have, you can create 
a lot of, of, of um, campaigns using this aircraft. Uh, I see a new use for the, for the Nevada map because you know it's going to be like now you can actually create a really good red flag. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of scenarios you can do right now. You can go to Nevada to train this aircraft. You have to actually create a really good red flag. Uh, like going through red flag, and then you go to an actual uh, um, actual mission using another map like Syria or Falklands map. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things to do due to the capacity of this aircraft. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a bomb truck and can defend itself pretty good. So, uh, and on top of that, it has 22,000 pounds of fuel without external tanks. You can really fly exactly. along with it. But if you go into a scenario like our Franklin South Atlantic map, you're really going to need a tanker. I mean, that's the, something that I, I can't not say enough. The vastness of the map actually gives you the possibility to be flying somebody else and not watch each other, not bump to each other. And you want to change your, 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 your let's say you're going to a mission, uh, a mission. But something changes, you have to go to B mission. It's so big, it actually gives you the opportunity to do all the kind of stuff with a single map mm-hmm. and with a lot of people in it. I mean, that's the idea behind the size of it. And it and, and, and really fits to aircraft like the F-15 Extra Eagle due to huge amount of fuel can carry and fly inside the map. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the imagination is the limit what you can do with this thing. Yeah, I think. I'm sure Baltic Dragon can come with really good campaigns for it. I'll do my best. As I was going to say, like, there's no other aircraft that has the terrain-following radar, so that would be pretty interesting for campaigns. Gives you a whole. Yeah, new... well, currently, to be honest, oh. currently there's no other aircraft with TFR. Right, yeah. correct. Yeah. And also, I think the Israelis kind of fly it, so and so in Syria would be a perfect place to have a. Israeli campaign. This is gonna be uh, this is gonna be included a, a, a Ram version, but uh, due to you know how tight Israelis are about their their avionics and stuff, it's gonna be basically uh, Sweet Four Strike Eagle with a Ram dress <laughs> to say some way. It'll be good enough. I mean, I wrote I, I wrote down a lot of good stuff here. Uh, so, just to recap, um, it's going to be the most complex aircraft. It's going to have a awesome radar. Uh, the Mirage 2000, I love the Mirage 2000, and I love the upgrades to it. Especially the pilot model. I think the pilot model looks fantastic, even though I don't know why. Like Amazing I, work. I don't know why I like it that much, but I mean, it looks pretty awesome compared to other pilot models. Uh, the AVAB, that was one of my favorite um, aircrafts, and I've been flying it a lot lately. So I would look forward to a an upgrade for that. The Falklands map is pretty awesome. Uh, Performance-wise, it's really good. Plus, I like finding penguins, so maybe we can find some penguins in the <laughs> with the radar or the uh, targeting pod rather. The MiG-19 is pretty awesome, and then we got uh, three helicopters, two jets that are coming, and then the MiG-23 is that one of the jets that's coming? Or is no, no, no. Two more. The MiG-22 is announced one. Uh, the A-29B is also being worked on. The Super Tucano. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something I cannot speak that freely yet. Okay. Uh, but uh, the other two jets uh, are eventually we're going to be shown. And we are not showing that much because 
I've learned that it gives impression to the community that we are uh, overstressing our capacities, mm -hmm. which is not true. But uh, so in order to keep things like, you know, people's mind sane, just put out what we can show now. There is something that the community must know. Uh, while, while we are not a huge company, we are uh, good staff. We have, we have a good enough amount of people working and besides two, three, everybody here knows 3D modeling. So for us here is like, no, let's start doing this, let's start doing that, and we start working and, and, and eventually it comes out in a position and say, you know what, this is good enough to come out and ask Eagle Dynamics for a license. Others don't. I was right. doing an OBAB Bronco by myself. I was just trying to do it. And so then I say, mm, I got to move into something else because this thing's really not going to be that good. Uh, not as a model, not as a, but as a product. So I said, I got to put it down for a minute. Eventually I might go and do it again, finish it. But it never came out something like the community going to be waiting. Oh, they did a super uh, Bronco, but they're not releasing vaporware, vaporware, you know? <laughs> so uh, we have so many products like that. Yeah. I mean, we see it in the community for when Eagle Dynamics does stuff too. You know, people are asking questions so hmm. it's just how the it's just how the community reacts i guess yeah it's just how it is it is how it is when you have i think that when you have such a devoted fan base these things usually happens mm -hmm. um and i'm used now to the fact that some people actually don't know the exact truth without behind rasband and i've read so many stuff on the internet that so laugh so much about their uh uh, their ideas of how this thing is run and, mm -hmm. and uh, they are uh, so many people are, are they, they post so many fantasies like uh, uh, I did that because Dynamics did this to me whatever I like okay yeah it, sometimes it's fun sometimes it's kind of offensive but you know what that's how it is yeah. people can't live without drama drama is important oh yes drama is part of this job all right, well, amazing. I mean, I, I, I'd say I'm looking forward to this module, but I'm already working on it, so I can I can attest it's it's just amazing. Uh, well, I'm not working on it, but I love it, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Well, you're gonna like it. I'm quite sure you're gonna like it. And if you are an Eagle, everything Eagle fan, you're actually gonna say, "Jesus, finally!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's been a long time. Yes, it's been a long time, but like I said, we are not cutting. We are not taking no, no, no short stops. We are just going the way it is. And, and, and if it's not ready, it's not ready. If it's ready, mm -hmm. it's ready. We are not cutting corners. We are not saying, okay, we'll fix this later. Uh, it's something that you learn with, uh, with time, dealing with the beast that is DCS. Mm -hmm. As a sim engine, everything is evolving. Everything is changing. And, and, and not just that. It's something I have to... I cannot stress enough to tell the community one thing is dealing with aircraft that are not current in active service and something completely different is working with aircraft that are actually serving the country mm -hmm. uh, happened with the Mirage 2000 it's happening with the Harrier yeah. and yes it's happening with everything Easter Eagle too so uh, uh, a lot of stuff that, that, that we cannot move or go into without waiting for some kind of clearance. Because there's so many stuff that you cannot show. 
so many stuff that you have access to, but you definitely cannot have fully access. Correct. So, uh, and so when people come and say, I read this a long time, oh, that thing really doesn't work in real life. We know. <laughs> we know it doesn't work that way. We cannot put it how it works in real life because it's a secret. It's classified. It's something being used right now. Is there something in the F-15 that you think will, uh, like a big thing in the F-15 that won't be in early access? Like, for instance, do you think, like, um, will Mavericks be in the F-15 for early access? or? Okay, what you should not expect in the early access of the F-15 Israel is the terrain-following radar. Some... Uh, some uh, modes in the air-to-ground radar. Okay. They're being worked on because they're very complex. And some weapons. Okay. I'm not quite sure which ones, but I think that even as Mavericks are not actually used in the 15 East for Eagle, we are going to include them. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure it's going to be included in the early access. But I know that, that, that it's been discussed even to add the tripping rack, which I've never seen in the... Yeah. If it is or in a picture, well, uh, probably it will be there. But it's going to be there because event, sometimes this aircraft actually use it, but never use it in the actual service. It's like a fan service, if you want to call it some way. Because mm-hmm. we do, we, didn't, we not go and put some fan service, a lot of people is going to be disappointed. It's like what happened with the Harrier. You remember the Maverick? Uh, yeah drama about you know we have to do it. we came so long and I, we all were like what right yeah i <laughs> but, remember okay but i love but i love shooting mavericks in the harrier it's a lot of fun yeah well but you shooting the mar the mavericks it carries in the renal the renal aircraft i mean uh there is something that 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 uh community likes to call franking aircraft like you know the franking harrier or mm-hmm. or the franking strike eagle this is not a Franking Strat Eagle. It's, it's exactly what it's suited for version of the Strat Eagle initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have really big hopes of eventually uh, creating new versions, most modern versions. I cannot say that as a fact because I, know I don't want to create some hype train. Right. I'm just telling uh, uh, that it's part of our plans and we hope we can cope those plans. I cannot say it's set on stone. It's going to be done. Something we plan to do. It's, uh, that's understandable. So, But I do appreciate, uh, I think that's all, everything we have for this. I think we like to keep these like short episodes here, under 30 minutes. So I think you gave us tons of information. So we want to thank uh, Ron and the Razbam team for joining us today here on the AirSim podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Well, that's all we have this month for the Air Combat Sim podcast. Again, sorry for the sort of non-standard nature of it, but uh, honestly, we wanted to get something out, and with the schedule being what it is, getting all back together in a short period of time to record something again was going to be uh, pretty much mission impossible. So uh, it took a little bit of time here to just throw what we could together, get it out to you guys. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, please, again, like and uh, share it. And uh, let us know how you think we're doing, especially with the new format and the way that we kind of do things. Uh, We've been getting some good feedback, but of course, you can never get enough in this business. So appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you later. This has been the Air Combat Sim Podcast, a BVR production. Music by Vampire Stepdad. Want to support the show? Check out our Patreon. Follow us on Facebook, and be sure to leave a comment and rating.